having that understanding of, you know, your underlying motivation is really what's going to help you when it's like, oh, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to spend another hour on this project. I love that because it opens up this whole new opportunity, this different lens through which we can see the world. For me, my why is really to build meaningful and authentic connections. The longest running study at Harvard is about what leads to a fulfilling life. And the overwhelming data shows that it's about building connections, you know, even more than your health, even more than your financial background. So if I don't understand who I am, what's a good first step? When you look back and reflect on your life, what are the things that give you energy? What are the moments that stand out? It's great to have you back for another episode of Opportunity Made, where we share practical lessons to break patterns, get unstuck, and find freedom in business and life. I am your host, Katherine Lewis. If you're new with us, in each episode, my incredible guests and I will bring you empowering insights and easy-to-understand takeaways you can use to transform your life. You'll learn effective ways to grow as a leader, clear your success blockers, and make new opportunities, giving you a life you love. Hey, y'all. I am so excited just to do a deep dive into how your why influences the habits that you create. And with me, I have Kate, who is going to do a little bit of an introduction before we dive in. Love it. Thanks, Catherine. And just in spirit of your podcast, I will say I am a white woman with blonde hair. Um, I know some of you may be able to see me, uh, but I am wearing a red kind of cardigan. um, And I have a white background um, kind of behind me with a couple of rings and things. So um, yes, I am Kate Minahan. Thank you so much, Catherine, for having me. So excited to do this collab. I love all the work you're doing um, and excited to chat more about habits today um, and your why. So I'm originally from outside of Boulder, Colorado, um, and I live in San Diego, California now. I've been here for a little over three years. Um, I am just love adventure, very focused on a lot of growth that's fueled so many of my different passions um, and kind of led to some of my professional career as well. So I've done a lot of work in terms of experiential learning. Um, I actually work at a university in career development. So love getting to help students kind of figure out what's next along their journey. And then I also do professional coaching. So work with individuals and teams, um, whether it be, you know, helping just move towards their goals and what they're interested in, or I really focus a lot on the Enneagram, which is a personality tool for kind of self-awareness and transformation. Kate, I love the work that you do just helping people better understand their identities because there's so much power when we understand who we are, what we're motivated by, what our purpose is. And when we can harness that, that helps us change. That helps us be intentional about the habits that we're forming. Can you share more? How does your work as a coach help people discover who they are and what they're motivated by? Yeah, thanks, Catherine. I think that, you know, it's it's so core to so much of the coaching work you do because a lot of coaching for those who aren't familiar um, is really focused around, okay, how do you build the life you want? And what are kind of the tangible steps to actually getting there? So again, habits can play a large role in that. 
Um, so that's something I love to start with all my clients about is even if maybe they already know their why, maybe they have a sense of what that is, or maybe their life's mission or something along those lines. Um, but it also can, you know, I have lots of clients that come to me saying, I have no idea. Um, you know, I've always maybe been told this is kind of what's next. I think I'm doing the right things and they're trying to figure it out. And so taking a step back, um, and figuring out like, what makes you, you, what are the things that give you energy? Um, it doesn't have to be this end all be all necessarily, but it really can kind of be a guiding light in terms of, in terms of, you know, what goals you set for yourself, the type of person you want to be and, and really where you want to go. So if I don't understand who I am, what's a good first step for getting to know myself better? Yeah, I, I think something I love to ask clients is, you know, tell me about when you've experienced this in the past. So if you're coming up against potentially this obstacle around, I don't know who I am, I don't know what I want. It's like, well, let's take a step back and look where you've come from. Who have you been? Um, I think there's so many great exercises and resources out there for for exploring really what has motivated you thus far? When you look back and reflect on your life, what are the things that give you energy? What are the moments that stand out? Who are the people that matter? I think spending the you know time to really dig into that, you know, it might seem kind of tedious or it can be hard to really carve out the space to do it, but it can be extremely valuable and rewarding to say, wow, okay, I didn't realize that there was this kind of underlying theme or pattern in so many of the things that have been giving me energy or I'm totally drawn to, whether those be kind of professionally in career or even just, you know, in extracurriculars or, you know, volunteering opportunities, things like that. I've noticed, at least for myself, when we have those different themes, they tend to be things that we're naturally good at but then we tend to be dismissive of them because they're too easy. Oh, that's just what I do. You know, how do you inspire your clients to put weight behind those themes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and I think it, it re- I would say it just really varies depending on the individual, but I think you're spot on that. It's so easy for us to say, oh, well, you know, everybody's like this, or that's not special about me. And I think it can take working with a coach or somebody, even just a friend who can call out some of those things in you, right? So noticing from others, bringing in, what do others say about you? Sometimes I'll give clients an exercise. We'll say, okay, you know, like go hash this out with somebody in your life who matters to you and let's reflect on what's coming up. Um, I think that too, similarly, this is where the Enneagram can be a really helpful tool for learning more about yourself because I think it helps you be aware of kind of really what's your core motivation. What is the framework you're using to see the world through? So it's so easy to think that, you know, this is how I see it. Everybody sees it this way, but that is not the case. It is really different and unique depending on, um, you know, your own personal life experiences as a unique individual. And then kind of the way, you know, the patterns you've used to kind of keep yourself safe in the past or to just better understand the world around you. So I think a mix of just using the people in your life Uh, and as well as, you know, sometimes finding external tools as well that can help. One thing that you just mentioned I want to lean into is ways of keeping yourself safe. There are environments that we grow up in that can be toxic, and we have to develop coping mechanisms to keep ourselves safe. Does that mean that when we identify those, those are truly who we are, or are those just ways that we've shown up that we can then unravel once we heal, once we recognize, hey, we're no longer in that toxic environment, there's not that big bear, that tiger, 
metaphorically tasting after us, which might have been the form of a human or a situation. What? How do we discern what's really part of us versus what was just a strategy for protection? Mm. I love that we're going here, Catherine, and I feel like it's very existential question. So I appreciate, again, you just diving right into it. And I will say, I kind of want to do do a warning that, you know, again, I'm not a licensed mental health professional, and I understand that there are so many people struggling with mental health challenges in today's day and age. So I just want to make that clear before kind of diving into this question, because there are so many complexities. And again, and every individual situation is a little different. I would say, generally speaking, some of the themes I tend to see are that, yeah, there's definitely places that we can go when we are not at our best selves. And I think that, again, leaning into what are some of those experiences that give you joy, give you energy? When you think about, you know, what is the last moment that you just felt like some, a statement I love is my heart feels full. What are those moments for you where it's my heart feels full? And I think leaning into those and thinking about when are you at your highest, best self? So I think that there's different and even in different environments, right? So this might not even just be a past stage of life as a child, but maybe you recognize in a specific career. I've definitely had this in past jobs where there's moments and components in my job that lead me to show a side of myself that I don't love. And so being able to recognize that that is not fundamentally who I am, that is not my highest and best self. And how can I be better aware of that so that I can recognize those triggers and take a step back when I need to, rather than kind of leaning into those past patterns that it's so easy to do when it's the kind of the classic space we've used to keep ourselves safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And thank you just for identifying how it can be situational as well. And so when we think about forming new habits, there are so many different situations that we can end up in where we're forming those habits. It might be at the gym that we're trying to form new habits. It might be in the workplace. These different situations where there's so many variables that are changing. Who's around us? What's the time of day? What's our energy level? Have we eaten? Have we not? Are we stressed? Are we relaxed? Are we indoors? Are we outdoors? And so how do we keep on top of who we are and why we're doing what we're doing while also accounting for those particular variables, those situational variables. Mm, yeah. I mean, I think this is a challenge in today's day and age, right? <laughs> we are inundated and it is so easy to find distractions all around us. And I think that that's where the true work is, is leaning into who am I, who do I want to be and being able to separate yourself from some of those circumstances or situations happening. Um, I think that this is where mindfulness can play a really large role. There's so many things that mindfulness can look like, right? From I'm taking a a moment to just take a couple deep breaths all the way to, okay, I'm going for a run without headphones and being present. Um, I'm going to eat in silence and, you know, without any distractions being intentional. Uh, But I think there's a lot of ways in which we can just become a little bit more aware of, you know, where we want to be in the present moment and, um, and, and, using that to then recognize, okay, like being even more aware of the habits that you're just living instead of in this constant kind of state of, I just am reactive, right? I just am am doing what I've always done. Um, Kind of being intentional to say, okay, how do I take a step back and, you know, be aware of, am I again, building the life that I actually want to? So how have you used the wisdom of your personality type and your why to build new habits? 
<laughs> yes, it has been a, a long journey and it continues to be a growth journey, right? Learning more and more about myself. So um, I will share that, you know, it is probably about what, maybe five years ago now, I really took a deep dive into the Enneagram, was able to recognize that kind of my core type is really focused around um, this desire for more, always taking on new projects, um, always wanting to be happy and positive. And so much of that, the root of it being this kind of fear of discontentment. And, you know, as much as I, I try to be a self-aware person, it really took me kind of seeing these words on the page to be like, holy cow, that is the verbiage that describes how I've been feeling. And I didn't even realize it. Um, so in that, it gave me a lot of freedom, right? To better understand myself and recognize that these are some of my natural tendencies that I'm going to go to. I'm going to be focused on the next thing. I'm going to be positive, which again, in our culture can seem like really good things. And so that's something that I've had to learn a lot about is what is that line from something that seems good, but maybe it's not actually serving you. Um, and this is where, again, it's a lot of personal work. Um, but it's really taught me the value in having structure in creating habits and how to apply those in my own life in a way that serve me. So it doesn't feel so constricting, but it gives me structure to know that, okay, here's the, you know, few goals I'm focused on right now. Here's the things I want to implement because I know like what's behind kind of my why and who I want to be in a way that can kind of help me get there more effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. And you have recently been training for a triathlon. That takes a lot of new habit formation. And so how did you translate these things that you learned about yourself into creating structure for your training? Yes. <laughs> so for those of you who are unfamiliar with an Ironman, it is a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride and a marathon 26.2 mile run all at once, um, you know, back to back. So it is a lot of training. And if you resonate with any of the things I just touched on in terms of spontaneity, travel, freedom, <laughs> it takes a lot of habit formation and dedication um, to, you know, build some of the skills that are necessary for doing this. So um, I think the first step was like letting go of imposter syndrome and overcoming fear, right? So you know, habit formation can be as simple as changing the automatic thoughts we have. So for me, recognizing shifting from this mindset of, oh, I'm not a biker, I'm not a swimmer, I'm not really a runner, to I am a triathlete is a huge mental shift. And that's really where this kind of journey started for me was I am capable. And whenever I hear that voice in my head saying, you're not good enough, you're not fit enough, you're not capable enough, it's being able to have the skills in my toolkit to say, you know, I've written down the alternatives to that and I'm going to turn to those mantras. I'm going to use those um, to get started on this journey. I think more practically, there's been so much that has come up around, um, you know, what do I eat? When do I fit in workouts? Um, how I'm spending my time? And I think that there's been, you know, it's it's been hard. It's been such an adjustment and it's all started with little tiny shifts. So okay, you know, normally I would kind of hang out on this evening, but now this is my evening to hang out with my triathlete friends and we do a workout together. So I think it can be something as simple as shifting an evening in your calendar that this is now the new habit. And by, you know, reinforcing that, I feel like that can help you help you really implement the, the process. 
how do you reinforce that? Because it could be super easy to say, okay, Thursday nights are the nights that I'm working out with my friends. And then a Thursday night comes and it's like, well, I don't feel like it. Or there's this other more interesting thing I don't want to miss out on. How do you stay consistent and how do you leverage what you know about your personality and your why to reinforce that consistency? Yes. I love that you brought that up, Catherine, because again, you're, you're really leaning into this why piece. And I think that that is such an important part as well as accountability, which I'll get to. So I think that, yeah, understanding why you do what you do is crucial. And so when you're taking on a new challenging goal, maybe you're really trying to get a promotion at work, whatever it is, if it's requiring some level of growth and stretch for you, having that understanding of, you know, your underlying motivation is really what's going to help you when it's like, oh, I don't want to get out of bed. I don't want to spend another hour on this project. And so um, for me, as you, my why is really to build meaningful and authentic connections to help every individual feel seen, loved, and worthy. Now, how does that connect with this solo sport and, you know, just completing this race and, and getting a medal? Um, and that's where I've been able to find this motivation in, you know, so much of my why is focused around people and connection. And through this opportunity, I've been able to meet amazing people through my local triathlon club. I have been able to be really intentional when I go on runs or bike rides that, you know, I don't just breeze past people. I'm not there because me. I'd be intentional to smile at folks around me because I want them to feel seen. And it also all the while makes me feel like the work I'm doing isn't just focused on me. It's mission driven. And that kind of gives me the energy to keep going. Um, similarly, again, I kind of touched on the triathlon club, but accountability is huge. And this is something I work a lot with my clients on in terms of accountability, um, is just the importance of saying, okay, yeah, maybe, you know, what are the structures I have in place to be successful? Uh, I think that it can be really easy to feel that, oh, I don't want to get up. I don't want to do this. Oh, do I really have to pose that? And I think saying, okay, who are the people I've told that are going to be in my corner that are going to challenge me? Where people are not just going to say, oh, yeah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, maybe it's not always people. Maybe it's having it on your calendar. I know there's even crazy websites online. You can like create goals and put in like a cash buy-in that you, you follow through with them. There's lots of opportunities out there, but I think accountability, especially externally, maybe you post on social media, you told people you're doing it. Um, I think accountability is a huge piece of it, again, as well as tying into that underlying motivation and why. One thing that I think is really cool in your story is you took what could have been a very solo sport and you turned it into something that really matched your why of being able to connect with people. And I love that because it opens up this whole new opportunity, this different lens through which we can see the world. We can take anything and say, okay, let me just reframe this to give me fuel that matches what I'm driven by. So rather than saying, "Ugh, that's a solo sport. I'm not interested. It doesn't match my why. I'm not passionate about that. I'm driven by this other thing. You just reframed it by saying, hey, how can I find a group of people who are also doing this? How can I interact with everyone I'm passing as I run or as I bike? I love that because you opened up a whole new world for yourself while still being motivated by your why. Mm. Thanks, Catherine. Yeah, it's a it's a powerful tool of reframing, right? I think that there's a lot to be said there. And um, specifically for me, focusing on focusing so much on building that connection with others. Um, you know, that was also an intentional decision rooted in science. So 
Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar, maybe assuming you, I'm not sure some of the listeners, um, the longest running study at Harvard is about kind of what leads to a fulfilling life. And the overwhelming data shows that it's about building connections, you know, even more than your health, even more than your financial background. Um, They studied people over 80 years. And what they can say is that what leads to a long, you know, lasting and fulfilling life is the people you're around. And so that's something I don't take lightly. I, I, again, it's really tied into my why. And that's something that's important to me, regardless of what I'm doing. So even though, again, it was really hard to say, okay, you know, I'm going to be giving up a lot of time to train. How can I still be intentional? You know, that maybe if I can't invest in some of these friendships with other folks that, you know, for this, you know, six months or so that I'm training really heavily instead, okay, where can I cultivate different relationships with other people who are pursuing the same goal? Mm -hmm. Okay. Can we get very practical with this? And can we pick one of the personality types that you work with and then pick a common habit that people like to form and lay out how would that personality type, understanding what they know about themselves, be able to form those new habits? Yeah, I love it, Catherine. Um, So just generally speaking, so everyone's familiar, the Enneagram, um, again, really focused on kind of individual core motivation. It's a really fluid tool. So it kind of accounts for when you're in a stressed out space, um, when you then when you're at your highest self. So um, it, it recognizes that, again, we're, we all have unique experiences, but uh, I think it can be helpful to dive into at least a couple of them in this exercise, because the way different personality types approach habit formation is really important, I think. And so again, even if you aren't familiar with the Enneagram, I think in general, thinking about how have you been successful in the past in creating goals? What's worked for you? Um, you know, what has not worked for you? Maybe that, that's, I've worked with clients before where it's been like, okay, I want to do this goal. It hasn't worked before. All right, well, let's dig into why it didn't. And then what do we need to do differently this time? So um, let's start with, yeah, what is a fun goal that people love to, uh, is it maybe something around exercise? No, we've just talked a lot about exercise. What do you think, Catherine? What's a what's a good goal? <laughs> what about um, like overcoming addiction, like stop, uh, you know, drinking or smoking or something like that? Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And I, I love that you brought up this example because it is personal to me. I actually uh, gave up drinking 14 months ago and what I thought wow. was going to be, you know, temporary um, has turned mm-hmm. into kind of a, a, a longer strategy. So uh, yeah, let's, let's use that example. Let's say I want to quit drinking or I want to stop having even, maybe it's not so drastic, right? Maybe I just want to stop having a glass of wine after dinner every night or something as simple as that. Um, simple. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so maybe let's start with an Enneagram type one. So these folks tend to be, again, generally speaking, it's all about kind of their motivation and it's this desire to be, you know, excellent perfect, essentially, in the sphere of, of failing um, or just be, really being imperfect, blemished. And so somebody who has that kind of personality type or background, it's going to be really stressful to think about doing something. So, you know, I just cut it off and I stop. And, um, you know, that might not be the healthiest strategy for somebody with that personality type. It might be, okay, how do I give myself more freedom? What does it look like instead of telling myself, that I want to stop drinking forever. What does it look like to say, hey, how can I stop drinking this month? How can I have one less drink a week? So knowing that if you're somebody who maybe leans into perfectionism, 
that habit development in order to be successful and to not burn yourself out along the way, how can you have grace with yourself? How can you create maybe, again, I know I'm sure that's come up before smart goals, but making sure you have something that's really measurable, practical, it's specific, it's really timely. So, you know, asking yourself, am I putting myself in, you know, again, going back to our conversation earlier, am I putting myself in not a good headspace by trying to create this habit? If so, that's just going to be exhausting over time. So if we're an Enneagram type one, it might be recognizing that it's going to be really easy to say, okay, this is what I do. This is what I don't do. And being really strict with yourself. So in that case, it might be, again, maybe reframing the goal potentially. And then with that, um, I would say, yeah, probably blocking it out on the calendar of, okay, when do I want to drink less? Going back to this accountability piece. Who are people in my life I can talk to about this? Who are the people that I know that I can go to even if I fail, even if it, I mess up? And I know that they're going to be my cheerleaders and tell me it's okay and I can, you know, I, I can just get back on and, and give it a shot again. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe contrasting that with like an Enneagram type seven, uh, very focused on, you know, what's next, love ideating, love taking on a lot of things, but maybe struggle a little bit more with execution. Um very quick, easy to reframe. So, oh yeah, I had all these goals, but I'm only going to do these couple or didn't, you know, they didn't really work, but it's okay. I'll just set another one. Um, Knowing that maybe if that's you, if you don't, maybe if you're a procrastinator, if you tend to need a little bit more structure, maybe it is setting, you know, a goal and saying, okay, I know that I want to give up drinking again. How can I break this down into something that's realistic? How can I turn this into maybe again, how can I, how can I stop for the month? And then again, being prepared with, okay, who am I going to tell? Who are my accountability people? Maybe you have a lot of FOMO. So you know, it's going to be hard when other people are drinking. Maybe you have a substitute you can go to. I know for me, that was something that worked really well is starting out with, okay, this is my goal. I'm telling everybody about it. <laughs> so I, I know that there's going to be accountability there as well as I come to a, you know, a, night, a a wine night with friends with my kombucha in hand, or I come prepared knowing that I have a plan so that even when it gets hard, even when I'm have to tap into my why and I'm struggling, I can, I can use the skills that I've created or the, you know, tools I've put into place to help me actually achieve the goal. So I would say that, you know, at least starting there. And then again, knowing that you can always build on that. You can always iterate the habit. Again, as I touched on for me, I thought this was going to be a a short-term journey with stopping drinking. And it's turned into a lot more than that. But that started out with me really saying, okay, I have my energy drink, (laughs) I'm prepared. And then since then, I've been able to, you know, have a little bit more freedom and even shift my goals further to, okay, well, I don't just want to have an unhealthy drink there. I want to, I want to drink like a bubbly water or something that I know will support my health goals a little bit better. So um, I think really the key is understanding what you're going to need. Is it, do you need more support? Do you need to be gentler with yourself? And all the while, you know, again, continuing to check in and making sure you're putting these different measures in place to be successful on the way. So I'm hearing a couple different things. One is just the importance of having an accountability partner or a community sharing those goals. And then according to your personality, coming up with a small step. So maybe that small step is I'm going to set the goal. Maybe the small step is I'm going to have a substitute, depending on what your personality needs most. Yeah, definitely. And I think this can be very individual too, even apart from personalities. Maybe you're somebody who loves to journal. So you write it down. 
you know, maybe you write it on your board in the morning, what your goal is, um, like on your mirror with an, a dry erase marker. Um, again, maybe if you are really social, you tell friends. Uh, I think that, you know, you could also get into habit stacking, which is an idea that's really around to use some of the existing strategies you have in place and kind of couple things onto that. So, um, you know, again, if you're wanting to quit drinking, you know, what are the things that are happening right before you generally drink? Okay, can you find a replacement that happens you know, instead, or let's say you want to get into exercise. What's something you're doing every day? You know, okay, well, you're brushing your teeth every day. Maybe you do five squats while you brush your teeth or something along those lines. So I think the key is, yeah, figuring out what's going to work for you uniquely and just starting really simply, because that's, what's going to lead to lasting change rather than just trying to take everything on at once. Um, it makes it a lot more difficult. Yeah, it is. It can be super overwhelming when you set these really, really big goals and then try and take it all on at once. Doing an Ironman is a really, really big goal. So how did you, or did you get overwhelmed by it? If you didn't, how did you prevent that? And how did you start small? Yes. (laughs) And I will share just as I would ask my clients, you know, what has worked or what hasn't worked in the past? And I can tell you what has not worked in the past for me was just telling myself I'm going to do it and trying to kind of go without a plan, you know, telling myself I'm going to run. So um, in 2019, I ran the New York City Marathon and I fundraised. I had planned for it all year. And, you know, I, I kind of had this loose training plan, but you know, it was exactly what you shared, Catherine, that, oh, I, you know, this, this friend's party came up. So now I want to sleep in. I don't want to go run or, oh, it's too hot out. Or, um, you know, I just don't feel great today. And so next thing you know, I'm a month out and <laughs> I had not trained for my race. Um, I <laughs> thankfully, again, this can be the benefit of using some of you, the sides of yourself that you know can kind of drive you to react um, is mm-hmm. I was really scared. And I went into this crazy headspace of like, okay, I have to do this. What can I do? And that's where I kind of was able to nail down a plan. And I can't believe I finished this race, which I amazingly <laughs> did. But I, I was able to use that, you know, quote unquote failure from the past to recognize, okay, what do I need to do differently this time to make sure that I am successful? And so for me, that was, okay, I need a coach. I need somebody who is going to hold me accountable. And, you know, I, again, there's this financial investment piece. I'm paying a lot of money for this race. I'm paying for this coach. I want to be successful. I want to make sure I achieve this goal. So there was that part of it. And again, finding a community was huge. So I touched on the triathlon club here in San Diego a couple of times. That has been amazing because there are workouts every day. So I knew that one step that was going to be difficult for me was not being as familiar with what I needed to do, what, what, you know, what exercises do I need to do? How long do I need to work out for? So being able to have pre-built workouts that I knew all I have to do is show up and someone else can tell me what to do was huge and really helpful. And then again, all along the way, making sure I was really clear with those around me that, Hey, this is important to me. This is something I want you to help support me in and hold me accountable in. So I think that's something that comes up for folks. If you are, you know, trying to make a big change or establish a new habit, it can be hard because, you know, maybe you've always viewed yourself in a certain light. As I kind of touched on earlier with, you know, negative thought patterns. Uh, I'm not a triathlete. I don't do things like that. Or maybe your friends see you in a certain light. I certainly felt that way when I stopped drinking, you know, 
I'm always the first one on the dance floor. I'm the one who stays out till, you know, for the all night at someone's birthday party. And so, you know, it was hard to kind of let that go. And so same with the triathlon stuff, telling my friends beforehand, setting myself up for success, right? Hey, this is going to be hard for me. Here's some of the potential roadblocks I could foresee. I want to make sure you know so that you understand that this, I want to be a good friend. I care about you. And I might be slower at responding to texts or, hey, I might not be able to come out for a late dinner. So I think that there's also a huge part of this that involves being able to look ahead to say, hey, what are the obstacles I could see? Making sure that people around me understand that, hey, this is important to me and this is the person I want to move towards, um, which you know can also be easier said than done, but I think an important piece to address too. I'm so glad that you addressed that because that can be a really big obstacle in forming new habits. If you see yourself a certain way and are trying to do something that seems counter to how you previously identified as, or, you know, you say, well, I drink because I want people to think that I'm fun and and that I belong. And now I'm going to stop this thing. And what if I lose those relationships? You know, anything that kind of counteracts how you previously were, what people previously thought can be really scary and uh, prevent people from making that change. So I'm glad you addressed that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And I think that, you know, this is where, again, your why can be really important. Your why should be your guiding light. And again, it doesn't mean it's the end all be all. That doesn't mean it can't change. But having something that fuels you to say, this is the type of person I want to be. This is how I make my decisions and what I want to do. I think that even that can be helpful in terms of habit formation of Who's the type of person I want to be? What do I want to be known for? Um, That can kind of help fuel what you want your life to be about. And yeah, sometimes that means having hard conversations of, hey, this is how I've always showed up. This isn't who I want to be anymore. Um, And having that kind of conversation with yourself internally and being able to shift that dialogue. And then on an external level too, right? Just being intentional with how am I spending my time? Who am I surrounding myself with? Um, Again, back to that Harvard study, there's so much value in having meaningful relationships. And so um, I think it's a really, really important piece to just know that that may come up and it's not always easy, but that's what growth is, right? Yeah. Stopping and taking inventory and then just being intentional in your actions and your environment. Kate, if people would like to follow up, see what you're up to, maybe be coached by you or just follow your your journey as an iron woman, is that the correct term? Um, <laughs> we'll go with it. I love it. <laughs> okay. Um, how can they stay in touch with you? Yeah, I would say there's a few ways to get in touch with me. Um, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn if that's easiest. Um, my website is enneagramwithkate.com. Um, my Instagram handles Enneagram with Kate. So there are, you know, a, there's a few different ways on there if you want to get in touch via email um, or learn more. Uh, maybe you already are familiar with the Enneagram. I also um, have reflection decks for each Enneagram type. So again, a great way to maybe do a little bit more reflection in terms of asking yourself some of these bigger questions about who am I or, you know, who do I want to be? And maybe even using those as prompts to share again with the people in your life that matter. So um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on, Catherine. This is such a fun topic to just dive into. And yeah, there's, you know, a lot of depth to it. So I know we just scratched the surface. Yeah, thank you so much, Kate. Anything you'd like to leave with listeners? Oh, I would just, I feel like this is very true of the personal season I'm in right now is just finding that balance between, you know, growth and what's next and trying to take on all these things and also just being and taking a step back. 
Um, I think that growth can be tiring. And so it's so important to find what are the things that, again, recharge you and give you energy. So I would just encourage anyone listening to this today to take a moment to just do something that's going to give you energy um, and support you in that journey. Because, again, there's plenty of time to keep farming habits. Thank you so much, Kate. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you to our listeners. Um, To everyone out there, serve widely, give greatly, and take care, y'all.